Welcome to the Real Triathlon Podcast. I'm your host, Garrick Lowen, here with Nicholas Chase and Jackson Lund. Welcome, welcome back to the Real Triathlon Podcast. We're doing something absolutely wild today. We're recording while it's daylight outside, and we have the man of December with us, Mark the Shark who had a huge second place finish Indian Wells. And then the next weekend he backs it up with a win at challenge Salinas Salinas. Don't really know how to pronounce it, but he went to South America and he took South America by storm. Uh, some great results down there too. Um, Mark went first, Jack got second, Nick came in in fourth, which was pretty huge. Great way to end the season. Nick's joining us today as well. No Jackson, but boys, how are we doing? How are we feeling? You got to be feeling pretty good after that. We are feeling great. It was a successful South American trip for sure. Um, we did not get sick. We put two people on the podium. And for me personally, yeah, it was just a great season and a great way to end it. And I'm excited to finally get on the RTS podcast. I feel like I've only been on it once. I've been missing out. But uh, Nick, it's been... Well, uh, you've I miss been you. like I miss doing you. all... Yeah, we miss you too, buddy. It's a little lonely. Um, you've been doing all kinds of other podcasts, so we figured you just didn't have time. Clearly, your internet is not that good. It just lagged out on us, but that's okay. No, no sudden movements. Um, but I was a little bit bummed in myself at Selena's because I wanted us to have the whole podium, and I just couldn't. I could not bring Justin back, even if it's somebody who was like here's a million bucks, bring him back. I still don't think I would have been able to push myself any harder. So bit of a bummer, but still happy for Mark. That's the main thing. And Jackson, that he didn't die completely. In yeah, Justin. kind of a funny story. As I'm moving to better internet, I am on the run in Salinas and I am cheering on Nick. I'm like, Nick, you can catch him. He's in, I think you're fifth or fourth. He might've been in fifth still. Yeah. Um, before that guy dropped out. And then I'm. he's like, Turns to me, he's like, I'm hurting too. <laughs> like, Nick, they're hurting up there. You got it. I was like, I am also hurting. <laughs> it was rough. But uh, I'd say see. some yeah. war stories are, there's a lot of good war stories, I think, from that that race. Anytime there's an, an inaugural race in a third world country, uh, anything can happen. And we experienced a lot of course changes, recon rides where, I guess, we did it right. We showed up like, I don't know, a day and a half before the race, after a long bit of travel, other athletes showed up maybe like Tuesday that week. We got in basically Thursday or no, wait, Friday at like 5 p.m., 4 p.m. And they all got like four people got sick. Um, we avoided that. A couple of people got flats, sliced tires because they did a recon route on hit a gravel section. I think we dodged some bullets and we did it right. Mark, we had to listen to Mark bitching for Indian Wells and challenge Salinas for guys. I don't know. We're, we're showing up real late. I'm a little nervous. And Jackson, <laughs> like, it's, this is the way to do it. It's fine. It's fine. So Mark, what do you, what are your terms now for showing up to a race? Yeah, I guess it just really doesn't matter when you show up to a race, as long as you're fit, you do everything you can to like keep moving or uh, keep hydrated. It's yeah, it's, Anything can, and you can make anything work. So I moved, gosh, I moved better to better Wi-Fi, but now I, now I got noise. Can you hear the I background get, noise? Not yet. Your family's, yeah. just tell your family to please hush up. <laughs> I don't know where the route, hold on a sec. Sorry, I'm messing up our podcast. Well, you're making, Mark, making so much work for me, Mark. <laughs> no, this is going to stay in there. This is like, this is quintessential Mark, like, absolutely look at him just he's muted and yelling at everybody I need everyone, to be put. everyone shut up i'm trying to do my my job <laughs> uh, <laughs> no i you know the some of the biggest podcasts uh, in triathlon have like the worst audio and guys just like jump in and jump out and they just have like this conversation and they're like oh yeah you know we did a hundred thousand downloads on that episode so it really doesn't um, matter but i'm just gonna yeah, it doesn't seem to matter because it's not lagging anymore upstairs it was lagging and nick was doing a little, like a little beatbox um i don't know he's yeah this is times. good as long as it's good internet for garrick since he's recording that's all that okay. matters sweet yeah. um can, so you where you? Your, can you put your head back in the frame so oh yeah <laughs> i like being here 
<laughs> you can see my lip. It, I got absolutely burnt in Salinas. That's herpes. On our bur- <laughs> nope, it's it was from our <laughs> beach day. Don't spread rumors. Well, I guess you'd have to have had like an experience in that realm to actually get anything. So we know. We I know. feel like we've kind of touched on that for a while with the between two ventums. Um, <laughs> just really just laid it into me about about that. <laughs> Mark, it's only because we love you. Garrick, did you watch the Between Two Ventums or did you not be a fan of anything we do? I try to avoid all um, RTS media as much as possible, including this podcast. No. No, I did see it. It actually just popped up on my feed um, today, but I didn't get a chance to watch it. It was this morning. Garrick, so I saw, yeah, I saw Between Two Ventums there. so much that you can't watch it. And then part two. Yeah, it just hurts of- me. Indian Wells just got launched today yeah. as well. Yeah, I watched the Cabo ones. Um, that was really funny. For some reason, none of the RTS stuff pops up on my YouTube. Even though I'm subscribed and I watch every video, it never recommends it to me. All right, here we go. I've got a bit of a conundrum here because we've been putting out really good shorts, really good ro- like rotational content, whether it's race stuff or info in we're just not hitting that growth. Like I don't know the YouTube analytics as an expert and I've been doing everything I can read, but it's just been frustrating to not have that happen. So what's the, and like, it's, it's really high quality stuff. Like between two Ventums, like it looks like a high, high quality production. (laughs) (laughs) It's qualities you can get in my garage. Yeah. I mean, that was a full on setup. We had the backdrop. Nick was out there for like an hour setting it up. It looked amazing. I had four lights. It was crazy. Yeah. And like podcasts were up um, 72% in terms of downloads this year. This is so our this first podcast? year we've gone, we've gone over a hundred thousand downloads. So wow. like we're up quite a bit. So that's growing. I don't know why it's not translating over to YouTube. I think it's probably something I have to do better with our channel. I don't know. We'll figure it out. It's all about just yeah. keep, um, keep putting them out there. And I think, Soon it'll uh, grab some traction. Yeah. And so, Mark, uh, back to you. Um, sorry for the tangent, but what have, uh, you know, what has this meant to you for the last couple of months? Like, you, it wasn't just Indian Wells and Salinas, even before that. You know, you had a great race at Alcatraz. You absolutely fought back for a second place at Cabo. The back half of this season has been sterling. So, what do you think attributes that? And you're so happy-go-lucky. Like, what is your mindset? What is that like? Yeah, you're right. It has not just been the end of the season where everything's kind of started to, like, pick up as far as results and just mindset-wise. I think we started, my coach and I, James Peterson, started seeing some good um, or better results early early in the season, like Pucon, January of this year, like, off of two weeks, uh, completely off of training, got back, did two and a half weeks of real training and then raced and was like right back where I kind of was the years previous. Like, of course, I was focusing on short course and then earlier this year was still focusing on short course. So I think a lot of it had to do with just training and being able to get on the TT bike a lot more and doing those uh, 70.3 specific bike sessions in in the aero position. Um, But yeah, Alcatraz was kind of the start. And then that got me onto the PTO US Open. And then that got me some good uh, confidence and momentum leading into the um, 70.3 World Champs. That went pretty well with eighth. And then, yeah, just like we've nailed the the training, the recovery. I've been surrounded by some really good um, friends and training partners with you and Jackson. And we were in Font Rameau with um, Joe Skipper. And then just getting like used to the feeling of the 70.3 distance i'm still getting pretty sore from the races but um and i think that'll always be the case when you dive pretty deep and go dig deep for uh that that kick finish or whatever it is um but i used to just be like handicapped i'm not sure if i'm allowed to say that i used to just be (laughs) handicapped for like four days after um when i first started 70.3 i literally couldn't walk um and now finally getting used to that distance is it recoveries changed? Has the training developed too much differently? I mean, it sounds like your lifestyle also puts you in multiple scenarios of living. Like, has that been 
like do you think a hindrance hindrance or an aid um you know i think because your lifestyle is pretty much going to determine a lot of what happens in the race yeah i've always been pretty disciplined with training um so for three years like since 2018 i've you know been somewhat all in on like training i've of course have part-time job the whole time but last summer i decided to do like switch from my routine of doing new hampshire and florida to switch to boulder and then we decided to do tucson for the winter so i guess i guess it is a mix of like i get to choose like i'm doing exactly what i want to do and i'm very grateful to have that flexibility so i think that adds into it i'm still following my coach's training but i can do it on the whatever the sleep schedule i want the time when and where i want exactly how um like what makes me like the happiest i guess um but i'm still yeah, i'm just nailing the training um still but i think there's a lot of factors and i'm just getting stronger um i started lifting and i think that's a pretty big factor i was i had pretty weak hamstrings and that was leading to some um some weird pain in my achilles and glutes and since getting in the gym it's nothing major but it's it's really really helped my bike efficiency and just injury uh i'll always get these little aches and pains while i was running and i haven't really had much of that anymore i like it um sorry real quick too um actually i forgot what i was gonna ask garrick do you have anything while i recoup so you're saying that the norwegians are doing it wrong because they don't go to the gym <laughs> that oh. i'm actually really glad you asked that because i i would say lifting isn't for everyone i think you probably should do some sort of like physical assessment because you're right the norwegians do not lift um, but they've also probably been cycling their whole life. I started cycling in 2018. Um, I obviously grew up swimming. I was a runner in college, but battled some injuries. Um, so I, I am pretty new to, to lifting as well. Um, but I think if you can figure out a way, go get some sort of assessment because you can't, you can't have like any weakness, uh, at the, the top level, especially if it's like a major, like muscle group, like the hamstrings. Um, where it was definitely affecting me I think um, the gym is it's also interesting that with all the training we do strength on the bike strength on the run there's variations of strength you can build in with the specific swim bike run aspects pulling with big paddles mm -hmm. resistance I think if you build in pure strength resistance within those workouts you're probably getting a lot of the same stimulus but I think the gym is like you said it's there to fill in the voids with physical limitations that have been developed over um, a nonlinear progression. Maybe you just have, you sit all the time and that's bad for your hips. Like if you can take care of your hips and shoulders as a, as a professional athlete, you don't have to lift heavy, but you just have to keep everything strong laterally. I think that's kind of the best recipe that we've seen in the athletes who don't, um, they eventually can ride that train for a while. But then I think eventually the injuries do start to pop up once the weak areas the they get overpowered drastically so it's good on you man i think adapting is great and back what i was gonna i forgot about i was gonna say earlier is i think i think right now is a really kind of pivotal moment for athletes in our sport because if you can't be out of the water or in the water fast with a good get out and stay in that first pack oftentimes you're left behind in the swim. Like it used to be said, what you can't lose the race in the swim uh, or what you can't win the race in the swim. Yeah. But I, I believe, I believe you can because the gaps you all put into us at Indian Wells, like I had a, just a subpar swim. I came out near 30th. I had to fight my way back up in the 18th, but if I had come out in 15th, I would have been fighting for hopefully a top eight or a top five. So I think, mark your swim background and your ability to bring that to the table has set you up for such success. And I'm not trying to dog on anybody, but I, I think Jackson's frustrated as hell with that because on our team, Jackson's been smashing it for years and he's been the guy. And now he, him and I always, every year, every time it's this time of year, we're like next year, we're going to focus on getting our swim better. It's like, <laughs> we are like, we're going to be there. And it just, it's so hard and frustrating, but for you to have that, it has to set you up for so much confidence during the race. Yeah, it definitely does, does give me confidence, especially with um, like what's to come in at the end of this year when we know there'll be a lot of the short course people coming in. They've seen how much money that the 70.3, the PTO, the Ironman athletes can make. 
and obviously a bit easier to get sponsors. So we'll see a, a, a big switch of athletes coming over. So that's just going to make that front group even stronger. Um, but of course, like for me, it was still focusing on the bike. There's like, I'd be in the front swim group and then I would like not have the legs to go with Ben or all these guys at the start of the bikes. Um, so that's, that was always my focus is just making sure like I'm there on the swim, but making sure I can stay there on the bike or at least not lose too much time. Like I don't need to be as fast as Sam Long on the bike or as fast as Jackson. I just need to um, either yeah, be there. Right. Like when Jackson passed me at mile 40, like he's obviously had a huge effort the whole time where I've had this group. So either like when that happens, go with him or, um, you know, hopefully one day affect the race from like, and I think it's, com it's coming, like go off the front with Ben, go off the front with, who knows Martin Van Riel, the, the Norwegians and just hopefully stay out there. And then hopefully the legs can hang on. Um, so I don't have to worry about, yeah, just hopefully I can just affect the race in any way uh, I want, I guess. Do you find that this year is like the year that we've seen a big jump in the tactics in racing where it's like, we we've all seen it coming, but now it seems a lot more similar to draft legal racing in the same tactics. I think with the 12 meters, it's going to be pretty similar. And when we, if you switch to the 20 meter draft for like PTO races, it'll change. I think you'll see those big uh, powerhouse bikers coming through a bit more. Um, and then some of the people who are maybe missing 10 to 15 Watts on the bike, not be able to stay um, with that front group as they're coming out, coming off the swim onto the bike. Uh, so I think the 12 meters, yeah, we'll just keep seeing, these groups like at 70.3 worlds were just this, this mega group. Um, it did splinter of course, halfway through, but I think we'll see these really, really big groups continually form now. Yeah. And um, all right. So this will be kind of off the cuff question, but not so much. So you're known for your swim, you know, second fastest swimmer in triathlon right behind uh, Greg Harper. <laughs> <laughs> um but what do you find the big difference is between a pool swimmer that's effective in the pool and an open water guy that, you know, is, is strong and is consistent in the open water? Uh, I think the biggest one is um, like sighting and just skills in the water. Um, sometimes pool swimmers don't necessarily know how to swim the straightest. Um, that's obviously like a, a somewhat important factor, but also just, um how they're gliding and catching like i think you need a bit higher of a higher rate of turnover um, when you swim in open water and then just contact i guess like get out speed and contact at that first buoy is pretty uh aggressive um so you kind of have to be ready for that being able to swim when you have four or five people on your hip on top of you hitting you whatever it is um and then a lot of it too is just like i was always like this in in pool swimming I had the worst wall flip turns underwater so I think a lot of times are exaggerated when someone's a really good pool swimmer because they still have that technique of pushing off the wall you know five six seven underwater works are coming out by that uh whatever five meter mark um where you don't have that in open water so That's my time question pool, my times think, in the pool have oh go ahead Nick no I didn't mean to cut you off Mark but I, I think exactly to your point I'm that guy like my pool technique has always been my i love it i've always felt smooth and powerful um open water it, it really hasn't translated i lose about 10 percent, if not 10 percent on the get out once i'm up to speed and warmed up in the in the open water i feel great if it's choppy i feel even better but if it's like a placid open water swim start i just get shat out the back like people will put three or four body lengths in me within 20 seconds. And I, I think that you're right. Like turnover and power trump form when it comes to that open water start, you've got to be able to sustain, uh, you know, a really high lactate threshold mm -hmm. for, you know, a couple of minutes for that opening of the swim. And I think I've just really lacked that over time. And that's probably where I've need to work in my off season specifically um, because that's where the race is, getting away effectively. And if you don't have, let's just say you're out of the water by a minute, that's a 
minute can take 20 to 30 K to bring back. Mm -hmm. And you have to ride at threshold. You can't ride where you all are. You're riding conservative just to maintain, but still try to get away. Um, so I think it's a different race if you're a minute down and if you're a minute and a half or two minutes down, you almost have to just count on your run to bring it back because you might not catch the lead group. And as we saw with, with Jackson, these past few races, he's had to murder himself to get up there and it's kind of stunted his ability to run because he's had to ride so hard. And he is riding as one of the top five cyclists in our sport. So it's a tough game right now to, to catch up to the swim bikers who also can run. And Mark, I mean, I'm not trying to discredit any of your abilities. Your, your swim's amazing. Your bike has stepped up because you're hanging with the groups. And maybe in the last 5K, 6K, they're breaking away. But your run has been world-class. I mean, 110, 111, even at Salinas where it was really hot. You just did a half in Indian Wells the week before. And you hunted Sam Long down in the final mile and closed on him and passed him with nobody saw that coming he didn't see it coming so <laughs> your run is there too dude i mean you in our opinion on our team especially i mean you are the hopeful for 70.3 world champion in the next in, imminent year if not that the next coinciding years i think you've got what it takes at, with the recipe of success to take on the norwegians oh well i really really appreciate that nick obviously and um yeah i think i really this year i haven't put any like cap on on my like what i think is possible i just keep working hard and surrounding myself with the, the right people doing my coach's training um but also like obviously good communication with my coach because it's not all smooth sailing and training of course um but yeah i think switching from short course to long course and now i'm not ever going back to short course is obviously enabled me to have this year um and yeah, who knows what's possible in two, three years, but I know I have a lot more growth just because, you know, I love the, I love the grind and, um, the progression and who knows, like with arrow testing, Nick, we've been talking about this, but who knows what, what can happen if I do a little testing, not saying that's, um, going to save me like 10 minutes, but if it saves me just a little bit, then that's going to help my run as well. Um, cause the bike strength, all this work on the bike has translated so much to my ability to run off the bike, which I'm obviously really stoked about. I think it's ultimately your bike power is going to get better no matter what the CDA says, because, mm -hmm. um, I know there's a lot of contentious talks about all of this. When we talk about Ventum exclusively, because there's a lot of number one, bad vibes, bad opinions, but it's not really been backed up, but look at what Jason West has done on the Ventum versus Jackson. Mm -hmm. Um, even at Cabo, it was a great person-to-person -person analysis. Jack Jackson put two minutes into Jason on the exact same bike, but Jason still ran him down. Um, and you know, if you look at the power and everything associated with those two, you know, would they have been a lot faster by a significant margin? I think the CDA is is valid, but I think everybody it's like lactate threshold or lactate testing was the last thing everybody was focused on. Now it's right. all CDA. I think it's whatever's hot people are trying to really fine tune. That's why 80% of the top pro bikes, you'll see electrical tape on them on the front end. Um, yeah. And, and then it's just tactics, like being smart and racing the course. Yeah. Um, there, there's this, uh, I was doing this workout almost every weekend. It was either like three by 20. Um, so an hour progression. So three by 20, um, 20 at like, let's say 280 and then 300 and then 320. This is in Boulder. And sometimes my coach would be like, um, best Wait a minute. this is a, this is a stages power meter. We just need to put that out there. Reese. Yeah. Stages power meter. <laughs> and it, yeah. Stages power meter, but it's at altitude. So maybe that. So no, you're right. Good you're call. Right. Good call. Um, but yeah, sometimes it was two by 30 and then, um, the last 10 or 20, was just like best effort and for my coach best effort isn't necessarily all out it's just like um race race it pretty much um so i would there was this one section of road and it was actually similar to cabo as these rollers um it's not just flat you're not just in tt but i would just race it and like try to be as um efficient as possible so on the downs you know i'm not always pushing the 320 like i'm supposed to i'm because i'm spinning out so i'm 
being efficient there and then keeping the momentum into the next one and pushing a bit more as I come up and over these rollers. And I think a lot of people just need to put a little more thought into the race tactics and, or just racing the course, like St. George, you can't expect to hold, um, like 300 the whole time you need to race it. Like what's the fastest. And that's probably pushing 350 or 340, whoever you are up and then maybe possibly coasting on the way down. Um, but I think riding with better people, like I've rode or watched how Rudy and Joe Skipper race and what they talk about. And it's pretty interesting. Um, and that's without group dynamics, of course. Yeah. I think variability needs to be taken into account of whatever course like Daytona completely flat. You are expected to push instead of 350, maybe 320, 310 for the entire time sustained. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe there's some breakaways, but you're not going to get a break in your matches. You burn, you will not be able to recoup for takes and breaths. So yeah, it's all about finding those points to, to burn a match. And just to go back a little bit about your, like the swimming and short course, like it was totally worth burning a big match to get to that first buoy. Cause no matter if you're um, like the energy you take to get to that first buoy is the same energy. It's probably going to take to fight off the people. So you're either getting to the first buoy if you can first or, clean going through it cleanly that obviously really really hurts you're probably super gassed tired from it but it's the same amount of energy it takes to fight off 30 people when you're rounding the buoy at half the speed and now you're and then if you get there clean and around these buoys now you're 20 meters 30 meters ahead that's huge yeah yeah and that that's actually a dynamic that a lot of people forget about in long course is like they get out like all they think about is like it's just a time trial effort the whole time and you see this among age groupers that are really successful and then trans come over to the pro field where it's like yeah the first buoy wherever that first buoy is like you're swimming as hard as you can to that first buoy i don't Mm -hmm. care it's 300 meters away or like 700 meters away you're almost always swimming as hard as you can to the first buoy because that's when it always settles down um whether you're fighting guys or not like mark you're in the front i've never in the front i've only let out of one pro swim ever (laughs) but um and on the bike too like guys don't train that like you said like riding the course even if it's variable not not factoring in group dynamics where it's also surgy and that is going to take a lot out of your run if you're not trained and you're not you don't you're not used to that variable variable effort right yeah i think the short course stuff training and racing has helped me already in, in the long course in almost all my races this year, if there's a group, so Cabo, I, I looked at power and, um, Salinas, I actually didn't look at any power, but Indian Wells didn't look at my power. Once I had it on the GPS, um, the route, I had my route and that's all I was looking at. And I find that was, that's a great idea. I did that at Salinas too, because it was like, you are crushing yourself in a cross headwind for about 20 minutes. I don't want to see any of that shit. I just want to suffer and figure out what that means later. Yeah. But so there, like I, when I went to the front, I was, I put the power up. If it's more of a solo effort, I'm putting the, putting the power up just because I don't want to absolutely implode. But at some point, like when you guys passed me that first time, I was still feeling pretty rough. I did, you're right. Switch it to the GPS. Cause in my head, I'm like, it does not matter what I'm pushing. If I want to win this race, I need this. I have to go with this group. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of what Indian Wells was too. you know, got off, got out of the swims ninth. And then me and Ben both had an amazing transition. I was looking at the, the splits. We went from like, I think we were sixth and seventh out of the water. And then we both went on the bike. He was first, I was second. Um, and then it really just didn't matter the power from there. Cause I knew there was going to be this group coming by. And if I wanted a chance to do well in the race, I had to go with that group, whatever it took. And knowing that it would probably settle, um, and then, yeah, we saw Sam and, and Jackson slowly catching. We could, so I was like, all right, get ready for that. Get ready for that. Relax, relax. And then when Jackson came by, it was just flip of the switch. Uh, I have no other option if I want to win or do well in this race than to go with Jackson. That's That was for my win, I guess you could say. Um, yeah, and sometimes it's just better not to have that, that 350, 360, whatever it is, whatever your number is that you don't ever want to really see. Sometimes you just, yeah, put it on GPS, ignore it tell yourself it's only for a short time and, and then just hang on for dear life. Yeah. I think the progression of this sport over the past two years is really exciting because the, the racing is more volatile just because you're in that front bike group. 
if you've had to shell yourself, I mean, guys are taking a lot more risks. The women's sport is also changing quite a bit in terms of girls sending it off the front and seeing what they've got, the attitudes coming into it. There's a lot more growth in this sport than I've ever seen. And our team is experienced too. So it's awesome. Um, I want to take a quick pivot from uh, just a standard race dynamic question uh, and ask you a more personal question. If you had a chance to, I mean, we know you're single. It's no, it's no secret. Um, so you were fine. <laughs> I knew this question, some sort of question like that was funny because you got a little grin and then you, and then you started with the question. Yeah, I know. I, I kind of set myself up to be caught. Um, I just want to know, like, would you rather have a relationship with a female pro triathlete or somebody who's in the sport, or would you rather have somebody on your side? Who's more of like an external regular lifestyle? Um, what, cause I see couples versus non-couples. I coach them. Um, and I think it's a great topic. Like, how would you see that working best for your lifestyle? Yeah, you're right. I, I And I could see it either way. I really just, as long as, you know, this girl is like, we get along, it's fun, everything. Like, either way, it doesn't matter. It's really just... But, but balancing training has is, is got to be tough if somebody's yeah, just as crazy as you are. And where does the relationship fit in, in, in your mind? If you're, because I know you're, you're thinking about it. You, I mean, we all want to have a partner so what what was your partner like what would you like what's the ideal dating app situation for you <laughs> the million dollar question no i mean it would be in my eyes amazing to have a partner who wants who's doing triathlon who can we travel the world whatever this five more years of the career um traveling the world racing making a living getting all these awesome sponsors having an awesome time like making memories together um and then i can support them obviously then we like support someone as they're chasing their biggest goals, as they're chasing their dream job, whatever their um, goals are in triathlon. I think that would be best case. Um, but having someone at home somewhere I can come, like I come back, um, I, I, we're still a team. They're not competing, but it's just, it all would be awesome, but it's not like I'm going to be unhappy with that. If someone's not a triathlete. That's a, Did I'm, you have I'm, someone in mind? <laughs> yeah. Someone in mind, Nick. <laughs> Um, well, mainly I wanted to make this a bit of a plug for anybody who's out there listening, who knows somebody who could be loving to have a very cuddly Mark Dubrick, who is, I can tell you, he's good around the house. He cleans up. He's aware of his own stuff. He's not selfish in any way. And he's also a top athlete. I mean, Mark, you got a, You got a good resume. I'm just trying to get it out there. I uh, thank you. Yeah. Anyone listening slide into my DMS. <laughs> mark how old are you now uh 29 this man is 29 years old and he already winters in tucson like he's a Best catch guys his, his, his vehicle already lives in two places throughout the year yeah <laughs> honestly yeah you can we can sleep in my vehicle as well it's that big it is um are you still driving that yukon uh yeah well uh, suburban but yeah suburban yeah sorry yeah, chevy suburban it, I kept, uh, I kind of messed like, up. I, I meant to do Mark's triathlete vehicle episode like 10 <laughs> times while we were here, but we're so full on and busy. I just didn't get a chance, but I'm so glad we didn't do that. Cause you'd have this plug in this podcast. Hey, Mark's single. Mark's awesome. <laughs> good looking, great abs, better abs than me or Nick chase. Yeah. And then, um, and then we do this car. This, um, what, what's the clip called? Just like triathlete pro triathlete cars or whatever yeah there's not like an official title yet and then it would absolutely turn off every single woman in in the world like what my car looks like wow on that note i think we uh we we maybe need to probably show a picture of that car at some point just yeah we'll put it over the screen now uh (laughs) at least when i get back to tucson (laughs) it's not worse than jack's old uh oh that was was crown vic or what what he was that was hilarious because he won Oceanside and then that video got published like two days later. <laughs> like Jackson Laundry beats Alistair Brownlee and then here's his car. It's like right. a 1998 Crown Vic or something. Yeah, I will say if like you were stranded somewhere, you would want my car. Like I have so much stuff in there. I have winter jackets. We got all the sleeping <laughs> stuff, pillows, blankets. There's food in there. There's a uh, propane baby stovetop um yeah honestly there's so much in there so it's it is messy but that's just because i don't have like a home 
base. So I'm moving Boulder, Tucson, back to Boulder, sometimes obviously St. George. Uh, and I just kind of bring in everything that I need with me. Well, let's just hope one day you at least have a storage unit. And then that's that's OK, too. You don't <laughs> have okay to carry too. it all. I mean, yeah. One day I'll have a house, maybe in a year. Yeah, well, well, I mean, one of our prime directives as a team is to own real estate one day. So we'll have some RTS houses throughout some very popular locations to train and live in the future. And maybe we'll just conclude that in terms of your sponsorship. You can live there for free for five months. Perfect. That actually would be ideal. Because I'm not Mark, you should in Boulder you for should the just, whole year. You should just get a pickup with one of those bed campers. Oh, we were, no, you did not just yes. fuel that fire. Oh, my yes. God. <laughs> Thank you, Garrick. We I've been talking about this for so long. That I think it's that or it's like... Uh, so my dad joined me for our little road trip from after Ecuador. We went from Vegas to um, Tucson and we were comparing and uh, deciding what would be better, like a sprinter van like Robbie and Amy have or one of those pickup trucks with like the RV topper thing on it. Yeah. Um, and it's I mean, both are great options, but I, I'm leaning more towards the pickup with the RV. Yeah. How, so wait, we, why? we did that. It off, it's you're not driving like. I don't know. It just seems better. Well, you can't just like, oh, I'm going to take it off. You need like an actual weighted lift. And then where are you going to store it? I mean, it's not. What do you mean? Well, actually, no, you, no I guess you can you just crank them up it. on the sides, right? You crank it and they have like feet that come out. Ah, okay. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. That, and then you just lift it up and they drive so, out. Like, this is a great question because, Garrick, you did van life. So, yeah. Are you happy? So like, we fac we factored ahead. this in. We, we made this was how we were thinking about it so if we were going to go full-time like just living full-time we probably would have gone that direction with the the camper van uh with the truck and the the camper because exactly that like you can drop it off somewhere and then you can just take your vehicle but when you're camping like when you're in the van it's such a pain to like wrap up the whole campsite and drive and if you got to go somewhere right so you would do a but trailer the, camper trailer camper no, with like a no in the bed so in the bed yeah i would do the bed camper okay but um so the van the reason that we went with the van was for a couple reasons so you can boondock with the van mm -hmm. if you build it properly also the bike storage is significantly better in the van because you can put it under the bed if you put your bed up high enough but what i saw I was talking to some people um, on TikTok and what they did is they put, <laughs> they put bike mounts. So they put bike mounts in the back seat. They That's took out the I back seats too. of the truck and they put the bike mounts in there. And I was like, that is genius. And they're you like, yeah, we get like four bikes cab. in here. The four door exactly. truck. And then you put your yeah. bikes, your expensive stuff in the truck. And then you got more space. Than yeah. in the, and I think the official it, term of yeah. these RV camp, like you can't, it's not a tent. It's not like a, I don't it's even know. It's like a cab camper. Cab camper. Yeah. Or it's a truck camper, you can a call camper. it. Um, but so, yeah. So you can also buy them like decently cheap. You can get the camper with the truck. Like people sell them as a package used for like five, six grand. This is what Nick was saying. So another plug, not sure if we have any listeners who would have these, but yeah, slide into my DMs there as well. I'm in the market. <laughs> so I think I think no matter what, because I've never lived this lifestyle, but I've always thought about it logistically because that's just how my brain works. But I would always say like pulling a small trailer because I would just have too much shit. Like I just couldn't travel the country in a van or whatever and have that be my only amount of stuff. I'd need like a small trailer for like a trainer, for some heavy stuff, for some weights. And I think putting a little motorized vespa so you can get to the pool really quick without having to take the truck or without having yeah to i think that's probably my personal ideal i would do that as well I'll yeah so trent trent nally who are like the really famous van lifers on youtube that's what they did they drove all the way down to the tip of south america and they put a dirt bike on the back of theirs yeah but then you're a target like people sometimes will try and like steal that shit but, but if you put it in a trailer, then that's a little bit safer because no one can see it, I guess. Yeah. Um, the Wirtels, when they were doing it, they had just like an enclosed trailer that they towed with their RV. 
That's what I mean. Yeah. Their stuff. Yeah. And no, you I'm, could even yeah. have a spare bedroom in there. You could, hey, I got an air mattress. It's a technically we you can come sleep yeah. at our house in our enclosed trailer. Yeah. No, it's true. I mean, some of those they're pretty big. I don't. I wouldn't want like a gigantic one because obviously like you gotta get a more expensive truck. But oh, I'm still talking. Oh yeah, trailer, plenty of beds. But even the uh, ones that go on uh, in the bed, you have the bed over the car, and then a lot of times the table or the whatever the kitchen yeah. area turns into another bed. Um, so you can have yeah. gas there as well, and especially if they have pop-outs. Wow, this has been a good tangent. Thank yeah. you, dear. But this is your <laughs> life, man. This is your life. Yeah, but I wouldn't live in it. It's just like it would be convenient to have on these like one, yeah. two months of the year where I'm either going down to Tucson, I could like park at Nick's house, and then I don't have to bug him for an extra room or just going to some races. But it's freeing, man. Like when we were on our van trip. It's like you can do whatever you want, whenever you want, because you just park and sleep. Yeah, it's nice. And I'm, I'm going to need a, yeah. a new car soon. Uh, well, knock on wood. I love my Suburban. Um, but like realistically, you know, it's got 200,000 miles. So that's clutch. Yeah. And she drives great. I can attest. It's a good unit. Um, all right. Well, moving on from van life, Mark, <laughs> future endeavors next year um you know your next like go over your next six months with us what does that look like yeah surprisingly i have that kind of planned out not like the specific races yet just because i don't know about the pto so that's what i'm hoping for is getting on the pto series it's pretty unlikely to get a contract but hopefully um wild cards and maybe uh, who knows when they'll decide on those i'm guessing like a month before i but think it's happening much, soon oh the whole schedule will happen soon, but like wild cards wouldn't, right? Um, yeah, for sure. I know they're starting to actually talk about contracts with yeah. some of the higher ended athletes now. So I think they're getting there. I mean, if I can form form a, a pitch about how I have like two of my scores in the top 10, who knows? Like, um, but anyways, yeah, just, I'm going to have an awesome off season. I'm taking my two weeks, maybe a little bit more completely off of, training i'll do some i did a hike the other day but i'll do some like walks and maybe easy swims next week um but definitely taking at least like eight or nine days doing nothing and then i'll get back into training um probably yeah some just easy volume maybe 25 hours of just no intensity um still focusing on the bike and then probably open up in oceanside so that gets us to april so probably do oceanside and then we got St. Anthony's and St. George. And then all of us qualified for the um, challenge championships. So that's option, but it's all the way in Europe. So we'll see if it makes sense. And then I want to defend the title as well in Escape from Escape from Alcatraz, which is June. So there's halfway through the year. Probably that's great. Three, two fulls, maybe three, and one Olympic. And I can attest that as Mark's agent, we have been heavily working on getting him a new bike. So don't worry, everybody. Mike or um, Mark, Mike. Uh, Mark's <laughs> going to be rip, ripping on a new vehicle of dominance very soon. Yeah, it's going to be kind of sad to part ways with uh, with the old Trek, but it, some good stories and the wheel. Maybe we get Envy, like Orange Envy, just as like a, <laughs> just the throwback orange. Yeah. Throwback, <laughs> like remember where I came from um but so I, the sponsor, I just, that sponsorship with duct tape gonna be done then yeah i i just got back their ceo just got back to me um <laughs> and he's like mark we want you like what how much do you need like we, no, <laughs> i was like wait a minute wait huh <laughs> that would be pretty sick just like, duct tape sponsor i don't know it would make no sense but you want that gorilla that gorilla tape that's yeah we want the gorilla tape oh right yeah oh <laughs> well a new uh, whip and uh yeah i think like i'm obviously like maxed out on my fit and stuff and it's a comfortable bike but i think a new bike will i'll just get more efficient for like rolling resistance that's been the biggest thing i'm running clinchers still and they're pretty like i have to pump them up quite a bit they're 25 millimeter so when when i can finally move to the envies i know it's like pretty marginal but running 28s with tubeless at 70 psi like my body's just gonna feel so much better after yeah 
It will. It does make a difference going downhill fast. I can tell you the confidence for cornering is just feels like you've got more grip on the road. You're not riding on just a wire. Um, right. and, it, and think about five, six years ago, like we were all on, you know, whatever latex tubes. We were all on <laughs> narrow wheels. Like now we're on 28s and 30s and rolling resistant. Right. It's, it's crazy how much this sport has evolved. And now we're seeing times in the 338s for finish times for a, a legit course it's 20 minutes faster by two years standard right it is pretty wild um what what's gonna happen and what's been happening with uh the the like the average now of these these finish times yeah same with F in full ironmans like we just saw rudy and um sky do the two fastest times by americans ever yeah. And then top five or whatever, all time. It's crazy. I think the sports, it's truly about to launch. Um, we're of course thrilled that we've been able to stick around and support athletes and take care of our neck of the woods and try to have some good growth. So I think to your, you know, level of commitment to us, like we couldn't do any of this without you guys, even, you know, Garrick, you too. So the team is thriving because of the athletes who love the sport and are, giving it all. Um, so I see nothing but good things for the next foreseeable future for us. And especially, yeah, no, it's, it's really, really exciting. Um, yeah. obviously I'm on the team and I'm partially biased, but like just what we've been able to do and the, at least how much fun I've had doing it as well, coming down to you, Jackson came down, we trained, we raced well, and then we went to Ecuador race well. Um, and not many teams, no teams probably do that. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's really exciting. We see almost everyone like a handful of times in the year. We get together as a full team. Obviously, we have Cozumel Camp, but we get together at all these races as well. And I think we're building this community that is probably going to be one of the um, most fun and just performance-wise, we're going to be one of the best teams soon. So it is exciting. And yeah, buy stock in RTS, but more so, yeah, it's just a really fun, fun group. So I've been enjoying it. Thank you, Mick. Yeah. Thanks. Garrick, anything to add about anything at all? RTS to the moon, baby. To the, the moon. moon. <laughs> <laughs> anything is possible. But that, in reality, like what, what, what's going to stop us, you know? Just money, probably? Money. <laughs> Toughest, biggest yeah. part of this entire sport. I was looking at it and I was like, wow, it's like $30,000 of travel expenses just this year. Probably more since all the Super League stuff. I haven't added that in there, but this sport as a pro athlete, it ain't cheap because having rent, having regular life, and then, oh, wait, by the way, you've got to earn enough money to capture your regular life plus offset all of your travel costs. Mm -hmm. That's, the, I think, the biggest expense for any pro triathlete if you could cover travel costs, flights, and lodging, the rest of it's normal life. And then it's like, that's, that's, if we can do that, we're winning, man. That really yeah. we are. Yeah. And it goes, yeah, those are some big expenses. And obviously I don't have family, I don't have kids. So that helps me. And I, I don't mind having roommates and I'm cutting costs where I can by having those roommates by, um, I, I guess moving around isn't necessarily saving me anything, but I'm not hooked into a lease. Yeah. So I can go and afford to go to Font remote. Like I did this year, go to Europe for two months where I'm not paying double rent. And then same at the end of this year, I'm going to Australia for a bit before New Zealand, uh, 70.3 worlds. So um, yeah, it's all about cutting costs for me, but hopefully one day like saving enough where when I do start a family and have kids, it's still sustainable. You will, You'll, it'll all happen before you even know. And then you'll be like, oh shit, I got two kids. And then you're gonna be like, what have I, <laughs> I've missed out. Life went by so fast. So don't worry, that will happen. I have a, a niece who I saw for the first time since PTO Milwaukee, and she's like four times the size. Um, she's just six, seven months, but oh man, it's so she's so cute. So it's nice coming home. But I know what you mean. How things just like <laughs> how things change. I got I got one final question. I think unless Garrick, you got one to final up on. But Mark, what do you what do you want for Christmas? What do I want from Christmas? Honestly, I'm pretty cool. happy with. He wants a girlfriend. We went over that. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come I know, on. I know it sounds so like cliche to say, but 
I'm just pretty grateful with everything I have. I'm here with my family. Um, my whole family lives within 10 minutes of each other. And my brother and sister-in-law asked me to be the godfather of my niece. And yeah, hey, I'm a big fan of so Just coming home, being with family is really all I need. Fine. And I know that sounds, yeah, so cliche. It's nothing, there's if, nothing wrong with that. If you I said, wish Mark, if you kept asking me, Mark, 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 what do you want? I would probably say a new bike. <laughs> okay, that's fair. But I, I wish I wish my kids would have your first answer. The same yeah, but they're young. If I was your kid's age, if I was the same age as London and Tyler, you know, I would have a long list. <laughs> they do. <laughs> and I, yeah, and I definitely did. Well, can I get, can we get a, can I get a bird? Can I, uh, <laughs> can I <get> a dog? Garrick, <laughs> uh, all right. What else you got? All right. Um, I think we've been on here for quite a while now. I think it's just about time to uh, let Mark get back to his family. Yeah. Well, they're, they have their projects as well um but yeah i guess if there's nothing else it's been fun having a little chat with you guys garrick i haven't talked to you in forever so it's good to see your face yeah man it's been a minute well i'll see you in cozumel yes let's and, go uh, have you booked flights yeah no but i'm gonna i'm gonna book the same flights as jack so i'm gonna do it actually right when i get off here 18th to 27th okay. yeah perfect when i get off here i'm gonna do that so no it's good to see you. it's good to see nick I, I haven't actually talked to nick since my wedding so which i heard is awesome congratulations by the way thank you yeah it was a lot of fun it was definitely a good time i so. heard there was some uh oh no 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 thanks for, <laughs> thanks for having garrick having to delete actually something on this podcast <laughs> all right sorry you can mark this whatever time we're at delete that yeah. conversation. No, I, I have to listen to the whole thing i'll delete it anyways but yeah no it was a good time um and nick nick was having a good time he stayed till like almost 10 o'clock i think it was after <laughs> right after 10 i was like i'm going to pass out of this on this table yeah i was like holy shit nick's still here oh my gosh yeah a little late that. for him yeah all right but, well thanks mark right. thanks Derek, and uh we'll talk to you after the holidays sweet thanks guys hopefully i did a good one peace out peace out I got ish to do, flying through the sky in my parachute, dancing on the couch like I'm Tommy Cruise on a one-man mission trying to see it through.